Welcome to our podcast. We talk all about the excessively nice type C personality. I'm Dr. Corey Gleed, a clinical psychologist. I'm Anna White, a former Wall Streeter and recovering type C. Type C people hate disappointing others, carry the weight of the world on their shoulders, avoid conflict, and suppress emotions. Many of us identify as type C. Our health has suffered and we want to learn new ways of living healthier. On this podcast, we'll pull from our own experiences and also learn from experts. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone. For the podcast today, we recorded an Instagram live that we did with Dr. Lee Phillips on Valentine's Day. He's a renowned relationship and sex therapist. The conversation was fantastic and we really wanted to share it with you despite a couple of little audio glitches along the way. So here it is and we hope you enjoy it. Well, we are super excited to be with you today. Yeah. Ew, this is great. Thanks for inviting me to do this. This is great. Well, I'm happy to. We have been enjoying watching you and the content that you put uh-huh. out, and we thought you'd have some really interesting things to talk about with our our little area. Right. So I thought it'd be a great time to connect and see if we can hear what you have to say, and for other people who hopefully will be listening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's always great to kind of you know, talk about the things that, that I see in my work as a, as a therapist, as a sex therapist, to help other people out there who may be followers, and then talk about, you know, type C traits, which, of course, I have all in my work. I mean, it's, you know, I practice in D.C. and one in New York City, so, I mean, it's type C everywhere. <laughs> well, maybe it would be helpful just to talk a little bit about our type C project, just yeah. so people understand what it is. So um, Corey and I started this over a year ago. We have kind of made it our mission to educate people about this type C personality, which a lot of people haven't heard of, but it's people who are excessively nice, Mm -hmm. overly conscientious. They can't say no. They have a really hard time disappointing other people. They tend to suppress difficult emotions. It can have really deep roots in childhood. Mm -hmm. And just a little bit about us. You know, I have a long career on Wall Street, and I had a really bad um, episode of burnout after working, 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 and I came across this notion of the Type C personality, and I realized, oh my gosh, this is why I got so sick. And um, I was, uh, I left Wall Street to focus on my health. I started a an online gift business called Rest and Heal, and in the course of reading some stuff for that business, we came across this notion of the Type C personality. Corey and I have been friends forever. Um, and so when I mentioned to her, she was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, I see this all the time in my practice. So maybe. Yeah. So, you know, when Anna told me about it, we've heard of type A and type B, but I never really put the word together, the terminology of what is type C. And as you and I both have lots of people who really struggle with this in our practice. So we started this project and really are just here to educate people. And it has a lot of these examples from her life being the type C person and I sort of bring uh, my psychologist tools but I think along this journey have realized that we you don't have to be completely type C to have a few type C tendencies and so this right now I have I have quite a few So it's uh, it's very good to pay attention. Uh, obviously, being a thoughtful, caring person is very important. Um, but it's also you know really important to pay attention to taking it too far. So should we should we start with some questions? Yeah, let's just let's 
Well, yeah, let's dive in. Okay. Let's do it. Great. So we always like to start off to just ask a little bit about your background, you know, how you became a therapist, and really interesting for us, you know, what made you specialize in sex therapy and relationship work? Yeah, well, I actually, when I came to New York at 18, I was an actor and a dancer. So I did that for years and auditioned and did that whole thing. And I ended up hurting my ankle and auditioning for a musical on Broadway. I think it was Footloose that I was auditioning for. And I decided to go back home to Chesapeake, Virginia, which is where I'm from. And I switched uh, my credits from my school up here in New York. I was at Marymount Manhattan College. And I went back home to the Chesapeake, Virginia area and got an undergraduate degree in communication. And then I really enjoyed what social work and counseling was all about. So I ended up getting my MSW and then started working in community mental health, actually in substance use treatment and co-occurring disorders. So I did that for like 10 years of my life. And then I finally went to school to get my doctorate out in Arizona came back to the Virginia area and I wanted to be in a city, but I didn't want to be far from my family. So I ended up going to DC and I worked as a clinical manager there and really missed the clinical work. I could push paper all day, but I really missed the interaction with clients. And so I ended up going back into clinical work and I joined a group practice. Okay. Uh, and at that time, uh, there was a woman who is now one of my mentors who was giving a building your private practice workshop and I went to it and I told her I specialized in working with folks with disabilities, chronic pain and chronic illness. And she said, have you ever thought about becoming a sex therapist because that could really help folks in that area? And I said, no, I haven't thought about that, but I'm always looking to do something new. So I ended up um, pursuing my sex therapist certification and that's what really started it. And then I started working with all types of people, individuals, couples, different groups of people, and really had just enjoyed the work. And then I went out on my own in March of 2021 during COVID and opened up my own virtual practice. Um, and then just, it went off from there. And then I started, um, I wanted to come back to New York. My husband wanted to be in New York. So we were like, let's just move to New York during COVID. Why not, you know? <laughs> We're here. <laughs> yeah. Right. So let's just go. So we went and we've been here since. And I go back and forth between my DC location and my New York location. And so I, right now I see a lot of couples uh, more than individuals because I am a sex therapist. I always say I could see 10 couples a day instead of 10 individuals. And people look at me like I'm crazy. But um, I just love relationship work. I'm obsessed with relationships. I'm always watching something on relationships. Like I can be out to dinner with my husband and I'll start looking at a couple and he's like, stop it. And I'm like, I can't help it. Like, I wanna know what they're talking about. <laughs> like there was one time there was a couple that started, they were like, they were basically about to get it on in the restaurant. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. You know, like you only see that in New York. Well, you know, but it was, it was great. So I love this work so much. I really do. Um, that's really how I became a therapist. Well, we'd love to hear more about, you know, the patients that you see with type C traits, especially within your relationship work, because type C can really complicate a relationship because communication can break down and people aren't communicating directly. So we'd just love to hear about your experience there. Yeah, so I see a lot of couples and, you know, when two people come into a relationship, they come from different backgrounds. So family backgrounds, family dynamics. And so I may have one partner in therapy where 
Um, they came from a family where they never talked about their emotions. It was like, just go to school, do a good job. We don't talk about those things. And so when they get into a relationship, one or two things happen. They either latch onto their partner like a leech because they didn't get it in childhood and that's their wound. So I'm going to latch onto you or I am going to avoid because I don't know how to talk about my emotions. And then the other partner can be the same type of way, or maybe they grew up in a more secure um, household where they did talk about their emotions. And so they really try to pull their partner out. Um, or it's the other way around where they were avoidant, their parents were caretakers and they want to avoid too. So I've had people in therapy where they can go in at each other because there was too much enmeshment or they're completely avoidant. And what I find is that they do become people pleasers. Like they go into fawning, like, what do I need to do to fix this? What do we have to do? What do I have to do to please you? And the other partner's like, nothing. <laughs> um, I don't want to talk about that. So my goal is to help them really hear each other. And so they can come up with a way to communicate effectively. Because most people, when they come into relationship work, one of the big problems is all about the way they communicate. Um, 100%. Right. All the time time and I know type C traits one of those is to avoid conflict and so there's a lot of um, you know conflict avoidant folks that come in because they don't know how to talk about what their relationship needs are and I always say that your needs are never an inconvenience Ooh, and love that like really talk about what is your need and um, if they don't know how to process their emotions is there something that you feel in your body? Like, what do you feel in your body? Because I do a lot of psychosomatic work. So if you're feeling pressure in your chest, maybe that's some form of stress or anxiety that you're feeling. Um, or if you have a headache, or if you're having some digestive issues, right? That can be a lot of nervousness. So it always shows up um, in the work, especially when it comes to boundaries too. Like not knowing how to set boundaries, right? Is another big one. Um, so teaching them how to do that because there's boundaries in every relationship. And a lot of people feel that there should not be boundaries in an intimate relationship, but there are, and they're healthy. Uh, to be able to set that, that little barrier there and say, hey, this is my boundary and I love you, but this is what I want, especially when it comes to sex. That's a big one where one partner has higher desire than the other. So that is another factor that always comes into being. Desire discrepancy, I think is one of the, the biggest problems that we see as sex therapist. And sometimes the one that does have low desire, they can have a lot of stress. Um, they can carry a lot on them. You know, we talk about carrying burdens. So because I have all of this, I don't feel sexual to be with my partner. And there's a lot of things that definitely will cause low desire, um, excessively conscientious over my body, self-image issues is another way. So we talk about, well, what is it that you like about your body? What are those things? Um, and sometimes when I have couples that come in, I will meet with them also individually too. It's just so they have that space to kind of get some of that out, knowing that they're going to bring that into the couple's work. And I find that to be really helpful. So I know that you have also a specialty in working with the LGBTQIA plus relationships. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that is a topic that should be talked more and more about. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually wonder, because I don't want to assume, um, do you feel 
know that there are differences in those types of couples and what in regards to sexual issues or stressors related to maybe if one of the partners is this excessively conscientious conflict avoidance yes. person so we'd just love to hear you know mm -hmm. what comes up in those situations you know it's very interesting i will tell you the couples that i see mainly for sex therapy are cisgender heterosexual couples huh. men and women are very different i think when it comes to sex with different parts of desires however though i do see it with lgbtqia plus couples as well where one partner um may have a history of trauma from when they came out how uh -huh. that played a big factor into their childhood so they're very self-conscious and so they don't want to burden their partner and they don't want to talk about it. And the other partner is saying, hey, I want to talk about this. What's going on? That partner that also may not want to burden their partner. I've also have noticed that they tend to have a little bit of like an anxious attachment as well, where they're afraid of something. Like, I'm afraid if you go to the gym, you may see another hot guy and you may cheat in the locker room or something, right? Um, or, you know, you may go off with a friend and then you go out to a bar and what's going to happen if someone hits on you? What are you going to do? And then that partner is saying, well, nothing. I mean, that's not going to happen. Or if someone were to do that, I would say I'm in a monogamous relationship. And so you do see a lot of that fear that will show up. Another thing that I will see too is that a lot of my LGBTQIA plus clients are very successful. They work really hard. Not saying that my sis had, you know, clients don't either, but I noticed that with a lot of my LGBTQ clients, some of them don't have children, so they're both working a lot, and one may be overly responsible in their work, and they're not putting enough time and energy in the relationship. So there's this lack of quality time that also happens. When it comes to sex, which is very interesting, there can be desire discrepancy, but also a lot of my like gay male couples are also open sexually. They have open relationships, which is also very common. So they may open their relationship up just for sexual reasons, or they may actually be polyamorous. And so one partner may be polyamorous and the other one is not, but they opened it up for sexual diversity. So you can see tension with that too, where there may not be good boundaries that have been set in their relationship agreement. That's what I mostly see with gay male couples. Um, women, uh, lesbian women in therapy that I usually see tend to have some desire discrepancy or they are having some problems with communication. And some of them also have children. And so there can be different parenting styles um, that can come into play where one partner may internalize their emotions about parenting and the other one is like, well, I do it this way because you don't say anything. <laughs> so I take charge of that. So a lot of the problems that I would say that I see in my cishet couples, I also see with my LGBTQIA plus couples. But I think when it comes to sex, I see more problems with cishet folks. That makes know? sense. <laughs> Do you still work a lot with chronic, chronic illness patients? And I would love to hear more about you yeah. know, the issues in those relationships. I mean, I know I had my own with chronic fatigue, but there are yeah. so many you yeah. know, complications for sex and intimacy and Absolutely. all those things. Absolutely. Yeah, I started that work 
Actually, uh, personal, personally and career-wise, I um, was diagnosed with Lyme's disease in 2012 and went through my own journey with chronic pain. And once I became medicated and started a regimen, things became better with that. But during that time, I was also a geriatric psychotherapist in a community mental health agency. So I would have people 65 and over that would come in with a lot of different chronic pain conditions. And some of that was due to autoimmune, or you know other types of chronic pain conditions, different injuries that happened. But then I started seeing younger people that wanted to see me that had different autoimmune diseases, um, everything from fibromyalgia to Lyme to MS to lupus uh, to uh, Pop syndrome, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And they were not wanting to talk about sex until I brought it up and I said, well, how does this work with intimacy? And they would say, well, I just don't have it. And I'm like, but do you desire it? I do, but I can't, I'm afraid I'm not gonna be able to give the type of sex to my partner that they may want. And so then I said, well, there's gotta be more work in this <laughs> to talk about how can you reclaim your pleasure with a disability? And that's really my jam and what I love to do lectures on because when you have something like a chronic illness, Sexual pleasure can actually be a great way to cope with it because it takes away that bad pain and you can really focus on what feels good to you. So to be able to explore your body, I think is um, really important. And so one of the exercises I give is like of pleasure, which is kind of like a touching exercise to find out what does feel good. And it doesn't have to be your genitals. It may be the back of your neck. It may be behind your knees. You know, we have different erogenous zones that people can become familiar with. So we do a lot of normalizing and people will come in and say, wow, I didn't know that this could feel good or you know, I can have this type of sex. My energy levels are better in the morning where at night I usually had sex. So then we talk about changing up your sexual routine. I think we live in a culture where sex is all about orgasm. It's all about penetration. It's all about, you've got to have this type of sex and you really don't. You can do what works for you because some folks with chronic illness and different di disabilities are not able to achieve orgasm. And so we normalize that and we just find out other ways that brings you pleasure. It can be hard in a relationship because one partner is walking on eggshells with their body and the other partner is walking on eggshells with the relationship. And I love this conversation. I think it's so important. And so I'm just so glad that this is happening right now. Um, I also, I mean, a lot of people that have type C struggle with chronic insomnia, chronic fatigue, chronic yep. pain. And I think that we certainly don't talk enough. And in general, I don't think people talk enough about this idea. You know, I, I, um, I don't work specifically with couples, but through my training, obviously, um, I, you know, there's a, a strategy called sensing focus, which kind of to some degree sounds like what you're doing individually. Right. And I'm wondering, you know, for a person with type C who really struggles with asserting themselves and feeling comfortable putting their needs out there and asking for things um, that potentially could inconvenience or maybe burden someone else, I'm wondering how you uh, you know, support that person in the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if you've, if you've done work like that with couples or individually, you know, what are some suggestions? What are the strategies that you kind of help them 
manage that. Yeah, well, what I find is there's usually one partner in the relationship that does like to be the initiator. And sometimes the one that may have a chronic pain condition or a disability, they have the fear that they may get rejected because of their chronic illness or pain. So what they do is they shut down and it does leave the responsibility on the other partner, but the other partner being so sexual and want to actually ex explore, they're open to initiating. And so I will share like a sensate focus exercise with both of them. And then once they can become familiar with it or they each practice it individually, then they can bring it in. I think when it comes to sex therapy, and I also supervise people to become a sex therapist, I find sometimes my supervisees, they want to jump in too quickly to give them exercises. But when you've got people coming in who are having sexual issues and they've got a lot of vulnerability, you've got to move very slow with that. You can't just say, okay, here, take this exercise and go home and do it and come back. They're probably never going to come back to you. Because <laughs> you've just overwhelmed the heck out of them. But if they're coming in with an illness or some type of condition, a lot of times they need to grieve that. There's a lot of grieving that has to happen. And when they're grieving, they may not open up about their grieving. They may feel like they're gonna be a burden. And so the partner can come in and really kind of work on reassuring them that they're not a burden and that it's not your illness, it's our illness. And I wanna be here to support you. And I think that is where the work can really go somewhere. I've also seen it go on the other end of the spectrum where there can be, um, you know, a separation from it or it's too much for the other partner. They, you know, they become like a caregiver and they didn't want to become a caregiver. But then I have people who love caregiving and they look at it as an intimacy builder, being able to take care of their partner. Things can become medicalized. So we try to like make it to where you can make the caregiving fun and you can do different things with each other. Um, and really just to normalize that, because I think that is one thing that I see more than anything is that the one who has a condition is always like, it's my fault. Um, I'm overly responsible for this. So I need to put more into it. And I'm like, wait a minute, actually you don't, it's, it's both of you. And so being able to come together and try to be on the same page. I think couples are never going, sometimes they're not going to be on the same page and that's okay. I think a lot of times when we can say that in decession, you see these like a load of bricks being lifted off of them. Like, hey, other people have this too. And we can actually do well with each other. Um, so so yeah. kind of picking back on that, you made me sort of think of something that people with type C are so much fun because they do so much for yeah. you. So many people with type C are so thoughtful, they're so generous, they are you know so giving, and so other people love them. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes in my practice, I see a lot of people individually who have type C and get into these pretty toxic relationships yeah. where they get taken advantage a lot. And I see people who are married in long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. And when they come to me, uh, it's all their fault. It's, you know, they're, they're the problem. And one of the challenging parts is helping them see that it's okay to have needs. It's okay to put those out there, you know, and kind of rebalancing that relationship. But the challenge is that sometimes the partner is really happy 
with the, the other partner is really happy with being in a relationship with someone who says yes all the time and does everything for them. So I'm just sort of wondering, you know, I'm assuming this is something you have dealt with a fair amount, both, you know, intimacy related and also sexually related, you know, tell me a little bit about your thoughts about that. I'm glad you're bringing that up because I see it actually all the time, all the time in my work between couples where I want to keep doing this and I'm going to keep doing this and it's my fault and I'm the one that needs to initiate. I think really honestly, it's calling it out. Even if the other partner becomes angry with the therapist, like, because I had a couple like that recently and I said, this is, I just said, let's pause for a moment because this is what I'm seeing. one partner I said you know you're you're actually very controlling and the more controlling you are it's going to back them up into a corner and they're not going to have the desire for sex maybe this is the way you could initiate maybe there's a way to get curious about each other instead of demanding things and the one that's always saying yes 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 it's okay for you to have boundaries and with that partner that's always saying yes they feel a lot of pressure and I always say, what are your values? What do you like about sex? What brings you pleasure? And can you talk to them about that? And if they can't listen to you and they can't understand your values and what you want when it comes to desire or anything in life, then maybe they're not the right partner for you if they cannot change. Because a relationship, it takes two to tango. You have to meet each other where you're at. And if your partner can't meet you, then maybe it's not the right relationship. And when I first started this work, I felt like I had to save everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I got to save them. I got to save them. My mentor's like, you don't have to do anything but hold the space for them and give them the tools. And if they don't take the tools, then that's on them. And so really go go in and challenge that because that's what you have to do sometimes. And I noticed that when there's that controlling partner and they like the yes, yes, yes partner, they have a lot of insecurities going on because it's just easy for them. And they know that they're gonna get that. But when that partner starts to challenge them, that's when they're like, okay, they're getting a backbone now and I've gotta either change or this is not going to work. And the yes, yes, yes partner, we talk about this a lot, is at the same time, all this resentment is building up underneath that they're not even aware of. And then that's impacting their health and the relationship is becoming toxic. And their libido. Yeah, absolutely. Their desire, their health. I mean, I've had par- I've had people get migraines. I've had people actually get sick from it. And I, they would come in and say, oh, my relationship. And I, I would look at them and say, what relationship? You're not in a relationship. You're not. Your partner is not showing up for you. They're not doing some of the things that you want to do. It's always about them. You feel like you're the burden when you're not. You have to be with someone who is going to equally give you the things that you want, who's going to show up for you. A healthy relationship is someone who is your cheerleader. They want to see you do well. They don't want to take advantage over you and and get what they want all the time and be controlling. I mean, I think I think we have to really watch out for that because I think sometimes it's almost emotionally abusive. And the and the type C partner that has those traits, they don't even know it. That's what's beautiful about therapy is that they become aware of things and they're like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this the entire time and didn't even know it. And then it's like the light bulb goes off. And that that's what I love about being a therapist when that light bulb goes off and they can think about these are malvalues and now I'm going to set the boundary. And I think type C people, they really 
struggle with that in the beginning. But if you get that instilled in them, like, you know, hey, what do you want? What is it that, that you want in your relationship and for your life? And then they realize it. And if the partner cannot meet those needs, then they need to get out of it and move on. I think this is such a great message for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Really thinking about what's important to you. We talk a lot about this in the project, just that many people with type C really have their head in the sand because there may have been protective reasons right. to acting this way growing up, depending on your environment, whether it was traumatic or certain types of family dynamics can really have led to it actually being helpful to be so people pleasing and conflict avoidant, but yeah. later in life, continuing those patterns really hurts you. And so mm -hmm. I think it's great to be sending this message on Valentine's Day. Your needs matter, although it can be very scary right. to put it out there right. and especially, create a lot right? of tension in your body. So important. Yeah, especially when you've been doing it your entire life. You know, it's interesting when I have a lot of people pleasers in therapy and we're doing their history and everything, a lot of their parents or a parent was had some serious narcissistic traits too where things weren't talked about and it was about the parent about the parent about the parent and your needs didn't matter and so you end up meeting someone who can have those positive and negative characteristics of your parents because it's what you know but a lot of times it's deep rooted in the unconscious until you realize it in therapy and it's like wow i'm like dating I will say as a type C person, I just, I had to hit rock bottom before I actually figured out, okay, wait a minute. I'm, I'm acting this way. I'm, I'm, I'm operating this way and I'm doing this to myself. And I never quite right. realized that until, you know, I had to, I had to really hit, hit bottom and then yeah. my way back up. <laughs> to myself. And a lot of times when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to a lot of our stressors, we're the ones internalizing it until we realize, why am I putting myself through this? And, and if they, you can really get to them and change that. And you said rock bottom, and I agree with that. I think they really have to hit a place where they're in quite a bit of pain to realize that I can't keep doing this. And I find that with chronic pain and illness, when they can live a healthy life and take care of themselves for self-care and set those boundaries, they're in less pain. Psychotherapy has now become one of the leading treatments for chronic pain. Because doctors will say, hey, I can give you this medication, you can take it, but what are some doctors now are finally saying, what are you doing to manage your emotions as it relates to your pain and your illness? And I think that's important. So one of the things we talk about is pacing for pain. Because yep less pain day oh i can clean my entire house well you got to watch out for that because if you do it then you're going to end up you know hurting the next day and so it's pacing yourself when you do feel maybe a less pain day um you know and so we talk about that in therapy too and then another type of therapy that i also use that i love especially for type c folks is like acceptance and commitment therapy which i'm a big fan of i think it works i use it in everything um, I'm teaching a class this Saturday with Modern Sex Therapy Institutes on using acceptance and commitment therapy for sexual self-esteem building, which I love too, because okay. instead of avoiding, it's accepting where you're at in your body. What are your values? How can you be mindful? How can you look at um, thought fusion and break it down 
to where you don't have to do anything with it because it's just thoughts. You don't have to let them drive you. And then how can you rebuild your self-esteem by doing that and having a committed action plan? Most folks who are chronically ill that when they get me, they have all these releases that they sign for me so I can contact their other providers. And it's always nice when we can collaborate and they can, can have that committed action plan too. Which so this is a great segue to the question that we would like to ask about self-care. Yeah. What do you do that's restorative? What do oh, you do that you do to take care of yourself? I really try to eat well. I do try to eat well. I have, you know, I'm not a fan of diet culture. I never have been. I kind of really eat what I want. Um, but I notice if I eat a lot of bread, I don't feel well. And I think I, I, think I have a gluten allergy. I always find that when I eat too much of it, I don't feel well. So I really try to limit bread and rice and I eat, you know, lean protein veggies on the weekend. I, I pretty much eat, you know, what I want Friday nights. I'm Jewish. So it's Shabbat. So I do have red wine and, and challah sometimes. <laughs> I, I will have that. Um, and exercise. I do soul cycle. I love it here in the city. Um, it's so much fun because I have plantar fasciitis in my right foot, so I can't okay. run, but I can cycle and I love it. And I did hurt my back. Recently. That's why we had to reschedule. But hey, we did it on Valentine's Day, which was better. Um, and I pulled something back. It's finally getting to where I want to where it needs to be. But I love exercising. I think it's great for your mood if you are able body to do that. If you're not at least trying to stretch, move something. Um, is self-care and really just being with people who love you, being with people who uplift you, your friends, some your family, if they're supportive, your partner. I think it's really important just to enjoy your life the best way you can. And when you get under a lot of stress, it just affects you so much physically and mentally. So that's the way that I do it. And sleep. I'm sleeping more. I'm like, you know what? I have another hour. I'm not getting up right now. Morning, my husband had to go to DC for work, and I have my two little King Charles Cavalier Spaniels, mm -hmm. and they kept trying to get me up, and I finally got them in the bed. And then seven o'clock, they were like pawing at me. I'm like, fine, I'll get up, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I went back to sleep for another hour. That's great. <laughs> was, what about what about books? We love asking. Like, what well, are your favorite books? What do you recommend? So, for chronic pain, anything by Tony Bernhard, she's amazing. So um, How to Live Well with Chronic Pain and Illness is fabulous. Um, How to Be Sick, a Buddhist-inspired guide for chronically ill and their caregivers. That can be great for a caregiver and a person to read or two partners to read. I'm a big fan of Imago Relationship Therapy, so I love Harville Hendricks and Getting the Love You Want. I'm also a John and Julie Gottman fan, of course. Um, they just wrote a book called Fight Right couples can turn conflict into connection. Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work is always a great book. It's so good. They've got questionnaires in it that, um, that you can use. Um, for Sex, uh, Getting the Sex You Want by Dr. Tammy Nelson is such a great book. Um, I'm a big fan of Emily Nagowski. She just released her new book, Come Together, which I think is great, which is for people in relationships. Um, so I'm a big fan of her work. Um, just there's so many books out there for for vulva owners and female sexuality becoming clitorate by Lori Mintz is a fabulous book um gender magic by ray mcdaniel who is a non-binary sex therapist for a book who for people who are questioning their gender or they're transitioning i think is a fabulous book 
But I think we need a book out there on sex and chronic illness, and that's a project that I'm working on. But I'm also working on another book uh, for millennials and Gen Z for dating, which is a Better Dating, Better Mating, How to Get Curious About Your Partner and Creative with Your Sex. It's in the proposal stage at this time, and I've got some literary agents who are eyeballing it. So hopefully that's exciting. I'll be getting a deal soon and I can start the project, um, which I'm excited about. But I definitely do want to maybe work on a book on sex and disability. I think that would be be great to use like real life client stories in that. So yeah, a lot of great books out there now, which oh is fabulous. Gosh, just listed so many that I want to go check out. <laughs> this has been so yeah. such a great conversation. I am so happy that we did I, this together. I know, me too. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So if you ever want to do something else, let me know. I'm always up for something like this. And I love what you're doing. I mean, this is a great niche to be in because I think so many people have type C traits and they don't know it. And they tend to say, well, I'm more type A, but it's like, oh, well, let's go down this list. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and awareness is key, Aware right? It's, it's all about awareness. Once you can kind of understand what this is and put a name to it and put some language around right. it, then you can really start to work on it. Absolutely. Cool. Being aware of things. But yes, this was great. Yeah. Oh, so we'll Okay. Well, thank you so much. Happy Valentine's Day. Let's talk yeah. soon. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast or there's a topic you want to talk about, please get in touch. Our email address is typectoolbox at gmail.com. If there's a story you'd like to share, we're putting together a book on Type C and we can always hide identities if desired. Check out our blog and Instagram for more on Type C, typectoolbox.com and at typectoolbox. And leave us a review on the podcast. Thank you for listening today. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It's not meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're having a mental health emergency, please dial 911. If you're looking for mental health treatment, please visit the National Alliance on Mental Illness website at NAMI, which is N-A-M-I dot org.